Okay, freaks, this is the guide to your psychopath. This podcast is not about me telling you how you're fucked up. I'm here to learn about your past and how it affects your decision making. I've been studying people for a long time now, but I've never asked them about how their mind goes through the process. I want to read your guide. I want to know how you think and feel. This will not be edited to take snippets out of context, but I believe everyone will benefit from hearing all of the conversation. Learning your guide will make it better for me to understand you. Welcome to the Guide to Your Psychopath. Well, I did it. I got you on the fucking mic. <laughs> <laughs> long time coming, huh? Yeah, long time coming. You're one of the most interesting guys that I fucking uh, have encountered. Only uh, because of your experience, not just here in the Central Valley, but in a lot of things. Um, but what I like to do is I like to start from the beginning. I usually like to start with your parents, but... Your grandparents are from this area also, right? Yes. Yeah, they're from this area. Um, actually, it was, you know, with my, my parents' type of deal was the fact that uh, we were taken over as, as my grandparents took us over as guardians. Okay. Very young age. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the 80s, a lot of drug use and things like that. So that is definitely... Uh, one of the big contributors to that. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Uh, so your grandparents were farmers. Yes. And uh, they were uh, doing kind of a large-scale operation here. Oh, yeah. And they raised you and your brother and sisters? Uh, just me and my brother. You and your brother. Yeah. Our cousins were out there, too, but you know they didn't really have a big part in the farm. It was just three girl cousins we had. They were around, but never really working on it. And you were born here in the Central Valley? Yep, I was born in Tulare, Tulare, oh. California. Do you, what is your earliest memory that you have? Um, I think my earliest memory, I can't even remember how old I was. I remember jumping in a boat that was like in the garage, climbing under the cover and jumping in there and stepping on like fish hooks. Ooh. <laughs> Barefooted? Barefooted. Oh. Yeah, a bunch of fish hooks. I don't, I don't know how old it was, but I, it was definitely probably somewhere around like three or four years old. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of fish hooks in your feet. <laughs> you know, and then kind of around that same time, getting getting our asses whooped for uh, me and my brother taking the uh, curtain rods. We took curtain rods and we were using the swords and <laughs> you know, fighting each other with them. So we got, got in a little trouble with that one too. So. <laughs> right? Yeah, but anything to fucking, uh, to live as a kid, right? Oh, yeah. And oh, you yeah. grew up in a, in a farm. We grew up on the farm uh, from the time I was about six years old. Okay. Uh, after our grandparents took us over, uh, like I said, I was about six. Uh, we had about a year to settle in. Mm-hmm. My grandpa said, all right, that's it. You had your time to get settled in, and now it's time to start working. You know, So we started working. Um, what were you guys doing? Uh, we were irrigating, driving tractor, things like that, uh, planting the crops, harvesting the crops. Uh, shaking trees and pretty much just throughout throughout the time of being on the farm, it was more farm labor, farm hand type of work. Until yeah. later on, when we got older, uh, you know, our grandfather started pushing us more in the owner and management roles, things like that. So we started telling people what we need done and things like that. So you growing up on the farm and doing all that work and stuff, you still had time to mess around and do little kid stuff. 
Uh, not so much when, when I was younger. Mm. Um, yeah, we played sports, stuff like that, you know, for school. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, being that my grandparents were elderly, my grandmother had uh, MS for uh, pretty much my whole life she had it. Yeah. Um, but So she really wasn't mobile during nighttime and things like that. My grandfather was always on the farm. So certain things weren't. Uh, open to us, I guess, really. Yeah. Like, going, like, we lived, like, 20, 30 minutes from town, so, like, going to play Pop Warner and shit like that wasn't wasn't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and plus, you know, my grandpa, the time is money, and that, hell, that, you ain't wasting his damn time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you grew up on the farm, doing all that farm labor, learning about all the crops, mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff. Uh, what was, you remember your elementary school? Yeah, I went to Sundell School. It was right down the road from the farm. <laughs> the land, uh, apparently, like back in the day, like somewhere in the 60s or something like that, uh, there was about four or five farmers, my grandfather being one of them. They uh, donated little sections of this land so that they could build a school on it. And uh, it was pretty cool, really. I mean, I went from kindergarten to eighth grade with the same people. I graduated with 28 people, and we knew each other from kindergarten all the way through, you know, so... Uh, but it was pretty neat that when we got to high school, the teachers that were there, it was almost like a private school. Yeah. You know, it was mainly all farmers' kids, dairymen's kids, you know, and the people that worked out there. So we, uh, the, the teachers that were there, some of them were English professors and shit like that. So whenever we got to high school, it was like, well, we, we already know all this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they taught you pretty early on all that stuff and they, uh, they got you acclimated on the stuff that they knew. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so the first couple of years of high school was like, well, this is just a refresher from seventh and eighth grade. You know, we already know all this, you know, so. Yeah. And usually, you know, when you get into uh, seventh and eighth grade, usually that's when the hormones are kicking in and kids are trying to be badasses. Oh, yeah. And stuff like that. What was that like? Uh, growing up out in the country school and I don't know, it was, it was, it was a culture shock, I think, going to like high school because our norm was... You know, you had a problem with somebody, you whoop their ass out in the out in the playground. You know, you take them out back. Teachers kind of looked the other way; they didn't really care. Yeah, you know, it was they're gonna get it out, and once it's done, it's over. Yeah. You know, there was nobody jumping nobody. There was nobody with weapons, or you know, half the time we showed up to school, the teachers stand by the door with a box and tell us to put our pocket knives in there because they knew we were all working on the fucking farm. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, they'd stand there with a box. You go pull your shit out and go home. No shit. Yeah, kids are riding dirt bikes to school and things like that. So yeah. I mean, it was kind of the norm there. And then whenever I got to high school, it was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And when you knowing just those uh, few people that you're going to school constantly with, you form good uh, relationships with or were they just whatever? Oh, yeah. What was that like? We were were all real close, you know. And then when we got to high school, everybody kind of branched off, did their own thing, Mm -hmm. you know. But uh, I run into a few of them here and there and. You know, I don't, I really don't keep in contact with a whole lot of people. Yeah. Uh, usually kind of stay to myself, but uh, the people that I went to, you know, Sundell with, I look at, you know, or whenever I see them, things like that, or talk to somebody randomly, uh, you know, everybody's doing real good and mm. pretty successful and things like that. So I don't know if that came from upbringing or we all just got damn lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I w- you know, it, to me, you know, with everybody having a farmer's parent, right? Those those characters traits that were instilled in you, those were good 
good characters, right? They're good character traits. So they, uh, you know, they don't instill, like, gangbanging stuff. They don't instill nah. any of that hard fucking ghetto shit in you. No, nothing like that. Yeah. You know, like, the only thing that we did growing up was drinking. Yeah. You know, drinking was kind of a, a rite of passage, I guess. You know, at a certain age on the farm, you're dropping the tailgate at the end of the day, drink a beer with grandpa and everybody else. You know, talking about the day, what went wrong, what went right, stuff like that, just joking around. Some mm-hmm. of the guys didn't want to go home to their wives. <laughs> sitting around grandpa paying for beer and shit, you know. But, but uh, you know, I mean, my grandfather, he never had any problem with us drinking and partying just as long as your ass was up and at work the next day. He didn't really give a shit. You know? Yeah, as long as you weren't causing discontent yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, right? you weren't damaging stuff. You weren't hurting nobody. He didn't care, you yeah. know. So we had a lot of fun, you know, with dirt bikes shotguns and hunting and all kinds of stuff you know we did a lot of that and uh some of the you know a lot of my friends are still out doing that all the time you know but i i chose more of the seclusion of life (laughs) so i stayed to myself all the time what was uh sports like in high school uh sports was uh, you played football right i was a football player what Uh, position did you play i was a defensive end and an offensive tackle okay and uh so during high school you know, of course, the, the football coaches look at the the farmers' kids. You know, big, strong, country you know, strong, right? Yeah, redneck, yeah. damn kid, just stupid. He's gonna hit whoever I tell him to hit. You know, <laughs> so I was. Uh, that's exactly what I did, and especially my older brother, being that he was a monster when he came through. You know, they looked at, oh, let's go get little little Brandon. They called me. You know, go get his ass and stick him out here and see what he does and. I just started annihilating people. So they're, oh, you're not playing in freshman. You're going right to varsity. Oh. You know, so then I'm like this, what, 14-year-old kid playing on a team with kids that are, you know, 18 years old and walking in there. These motherfuckers got beards and shit. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and uh, I remember that first real day there, my buddy or uh, my brother's best friend, Mike Cook, was out there. And uh, he, uh, he was an offensive lineman. Mike was a massive, massive dude. Ended up later, he was in strike force fighting, things like that. He became a, pro- a professional fighter. And uh, that first, first day, they told me, all right, you're, this is where you're going to go. You're going you're gonna to hit the end, and that's what it is. Well, it happened on this play. Mike was a pulling guard, and he was the lead block. And I, I hit him right on the side, just knocked his ass out, like knocked him over, knocked, not knocked him out, but knocked him over, made the play, tackled the guy in the backfield. And I didn't say shit. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. Knowing Mike, you know, being huge, and I'm this little kid. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell did I just do? I didn't say a word. And I went right back to the huddle, and then my coach dimed me out. He's like, everybody see that? <laughs> His little ass just took out that big motherfucker over there and all this shit. And I'm looking at Mike like, oh. You motherfucker. I lined back up, and he told me, he's like, you know you're going to die right now, right? Like, yep, <laughs> sure do. And they snapped that ball, and he picked me up and probably threw me about five damn yards before oh. I hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one didn't feel too good. <laughs> but, yeah, that was uh, – then later on, you know, I started getting college scholarships and stuff like that kind of – Letters were coming in about my sophomore year um, that they were keeping an eye out. Mm-hmm. Um, junior year, then they started showing we're sending scouts and interest and things like that. Uh, so my junior year, we won the uh, Valley Championship. And then uh, senior year, we went and done it again. Then we went to uh, state championships. But right 
it was actually in the Valley Championship. I destroyed my knee oh. and uh, lost everything like that day, you know. So it was kind of like getting letters later. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> it's like fuck. I'm gonna be stuck on this phone forever. <laughs> so yeah, that pretty much ended my football playing career. <laughs> and then, then I was uh... <laughs> damn dog. <laughs> it's all right, but. Uh, but yeah, then after that, I i mean, I played a little bit after that, and I played, you know, as in the military and stuff like that, but nothing ever really came to fruition on it, you know? Mm. Uh, so you joined the the military, was it right out of high school? Yes. Okay. So you graduated high school. Wait, but before we get into that, yeah. what was prom like? Oh, Did shit. you go to prom? <laughs> I, You know, prom was probably more of a drunken blur than anything, you know? <laughs> We uh, partied. Yeah, we went to prom. I'm not a, much of a dancer or anything. Yeah. So uh, we went uh, probably 20, 30 minutes, and I was out of there. Next thing I knew, I was naked in a pool swimming across this thing. So I uh, think I did that. At, somebody's house? Yeah, it was at somebody's house, but that was usually me. I was usually one naked running down the road or doing something <laughs> wait, stupid. Wait a minute. You were on top of a car one day. Yes. <laughs> Tell that story. So that was that was when my that was my mom actually seen me on the top of the car. It doesn't matter in all hell. We're driving down the road, and I decided, yeah, this is probably a good idea to climb out of this car while my buddy's driving and get on top of it and surf down the damn road on this car. And then ended up naked too at some point. And so we're flying past the house at eighty miles an hour. I'm on top of this car, and everybody's seeing me like, what in the fuck is wrong with him? You know, my family used to take bets. Uh, my grandfather used to take bets on when I was going to die because I'd just do just random stupid shit. <laughs> you know, so uh, they they ended up having a bet about a cup of coffee in Hawaii. And uh, that was all it was, it was a cup of coffee. So whoever won the bet, and I can't remember which one. One said I wouldn't live past 16. One said I wouldn't live past graduation. So whoever... Whoever won had to fly the other one to Hawaii, and they had to drink a cup of coffee and come home. And then just come home. And then that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually did they that. They actually did it. They actually did it. It was pretty funny. Oh, that's crazy. So you joined the military. You joined the uh, Air Force. I did. Yeah. I, I joined the Air Force basically just because my grandfather, you know, after losing football scholarships and everything else and uh, things like that, kind of pissed me off. So I was... I was working, but I was partying a whole lot. Yeah. And uh, doing a lot of stupid shit, you know, surfing on cars naked, you know. So my my uh, grandfather just pretty much talked to me. and was always, you know, military was always something that I wanted to do just because my grandfather was in it. Well, what branch was, was he in? He was actually in the Air Force, but, like, right as the Air Force kind of was getting off their feet, you know, no longer the Army Air Corps. He was in the Korean War and stuff. Okay. But, uh he uh, kind of talked me into it as, uh, you know, you're going to end up in jail or dead yeah. if you don't get the hell out of here. And he didn't want me or my brother to be farmers. He wanted us to just be done, get away from it and, you know, not, not live that type of life. You know, his son was killed. Um, and being, he said his biggest regret was getting out of the military. So him getting out, Coming back to the farm, he never had time for anything. You know, you're a slave to that place 24 yeah. hours a day. So he didn't want that for me or my brother. He wanted us to have, have families and take vacations and live life, you know, 
instead of being a slave to this thing. So that was my my main uh, deal to join the Air Force. And I, of course, to be an asshole to my grandpa, you know, I told him, well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to outdo you in every way possible. Really? <laughs> so everything that you did, I'm going to do better. And, he, well, you know, his thing was always, yeah, well, good luck. You know, go ahead and try, but good luck. But, but yeah, that was, that was what... Uh, what got me got me going into that direction really you know so uh racing was no longer a thing and football that's right because you said you did racing as a even as a young child right yeah we were we we, me and my brother were both raised in racing and stuff like that drives my you know my some of my friends look at it like why do you sit there and watch cars go around a track all day you know and it's to me, it's it's always been interesting, you know. I mean, we won uh, four four state championships racing and things like that, and it's something you know my boys were never involved in, and and I wish they had been, but they weren't. But that was like some of the best times of my life, you know, about the racetrack with my my grandpa and things like that. And then, of course, you know, my dumb ass gets into an accident, and my grandpa's the president of this track, and he has to suspend me because I jump out of my car and start beating some dude with my helmet, you know. So, so of course, I, because he caused the accident, he caused the accident, and uh, dude didn't want to take his helmet off or, or you know, fight. So well, you're gonna get your ass beat with a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> so he caused it, and we, I finished it, and got uh, I got suspended by my own grandpa. <laughs> How long did you get suspended for? Three races. Oh, okay. So basically three weeks and uh, kind of cut me down in points that season. But uh, <laughs> Now, when you were uh, doing the racing thing, with it was a family affair for you, right? Yes. There was uh, yeah, a lot of people in your family that did it. Were you watching the mechanics? Were you watching just the races? What? How, how did you get into that? We were all, we were everything. We were our own mechanics. We were our own pit crew we were our own everything we'd set the car up uh basically come off the track and talk to my grandpa i'd talk to my uncle talk to my brother whoever and tell him hey this is what's going on with the car you know coming out of the corner there's no power it's bogging down on me just whatever okay we're gonna switch this gear out we're gonna change this uh you know fuel air mixture we're gonna try this we're gonna try that until we got it really dialed in because yeah. you know during the day you, you show up pretty early you're there all day and all night so you have practice sessions and things like that, but you got to be careful when you're setting the car up because track conditions change. Yes. You know, so now you're not on a sticky kind of uh, clay surface anymore. After a while, that surface turns into damn near cement. Yeah. You'd be flying around the corners and seeing smoke pouring off the other tires because you're sideways and tires are spinning going through there, but it's, now it's concrete. Yeah. You know, so, and then during the summertime, the track dries out fast and in the wintertime it doesn't, and then... Depending on where you're at, you got to set your car up for uh, different elevations and air temperatures and you know moisture things like that. So it uh, it affects you in a lot of different ways, and people wouldn't think about that. You know, mm-hmm. running carbureted engines and you're changing out little jet valves and carburetors and stuff to match the air temperature or the moisture or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And what, uh, did you guys get a lot of sponsors, or did you guys pay for your own stuff? How did, how did that happen? We had a lot of sponsors. We had a majority of them here were local. Mm-hmm. So we had, like, we had, we had some of the local uh, dairy uh, uh, service company, a uh, friend of ours. Then there was another guy, that actually uh, System One Shocks. I'm sure you heard of them, Racing Shocks. And yeah. The, the guy that actually uh, 
made those, like invented those, it was a farmer from this area. Really? Yeah. And uh, I think it was one of the freest. I'd have to ask my uncle, but he actually invented that and uh, made his system one shot company and right here out of the valley and became huge all over. It was mainly dirt racing, um, but they're all over the, all over the country now. Yeah. So I'm especially, I mean, like Australia, Australia is big for dirt racing, sprint car racing like we do here and stuff like that. So yeah. He was, a, he was already a rich asshole to begin with, and he made himself richer when he was done, you know? So. <laughs> and more of an asshole. <laughs> nah, he, he, he was pretty much only one of the guys that was pretty cool, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I just can't remember which one it is. Uh, there's, there's a lot of them, especially the free is. There's, you throw a stick, you'll hit one of them around here all, all day. <laughs> so. Oh, that's great times. And so you get graduated high school and you go into the military. What uh, what was your MOS going into boot camp? My MOS was a uh, was an aircraft fuel systems mechanic. Okay, um, and that's what you wanted to do going into the military. <laughs> that was the one that had the shortest school. No, oh. <laughs> and that's what you were looking at. <laughs> yeah, because when I when I enlisted originally, they they told me I could add my pick. I could pick whatever I wanted to do. Because you had a high ASVAB score. Yeah. So I, one of the things I was looking at was the Titan program at the time. And, and what is that? That's uh, the the actual space program, okay. missiles and satellites and things like that. And uh, after thinking about it for a while, you know, I talked to my grandfather about it quite a bit, and uh, he's kind of like, "Well, what's the, what's the, you know, the end? Yeah. Like, say it doesn't work out, and you get out, then what the hell, you know?" And it's funny because after I got out, NASA went belly up, you know. So it was oh. like, "Thank God that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go that route," you know. What I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that was what it was. I looked through it all and it was like engine mechanics and the structures and all this stuff. And it was like the Titan program, you automatically had to re-enlist for another two years because the school was two years. And I was like, I am not going to school for two damn years. Yeah. So basically I went through this thing looking for the shortest school time. I was like, that one, that one's like six weeks. (laughs) I'll do that. So I did that one. Um, But before I did that, when I was in boot camp was, uh, they had a, they had a, a thing they came and talked to us where you could leave boot camp for two weeks and you could try out for special forces, you know, special operations, seer teams and things like that. So I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot. So I left for two weeks and then they told me, well, you qualified. So if you want, you know, when you're done, you have to go back, finish boot camp and then you uh, go finish your school. Then if you want, then you can pursue this route. So. I told them, okay, and I went back, finished, did my school, and then towards my, toward my end of my school, they asked me if I wanted to go that route still, and I told them, yeah. So I ended up leaving aircraft mechanics and going into the whole special operations world and and uh, all the all the fun stuff that entailed after that. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to travel around the whole world and uh, provide security for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Doing that and, uh, you know, hunting people. Yeah. You know, which... It's, it's funny because did you go to uh, any more school after you graduated uh, your uh, aircraft fuel systems? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Going into special operations and stuff, but you go through a lot of school. It's like you, pretty much, you're never out of school. But it's never like sitting behind a, you know, desk taking taking notes. Yeah, nothing like that. More like hands on. It's all hands on. It's all field training. It's all survival training. It's all you know. How am I going to get my ass out of this situation? Training type of thing. You yeah. Know? So. It's never like 
I mean, you do you do go in and you learn stuff, but it's more interesting, you know. I think that's that's pretty much what it was for me. It was more. You hate being bored. Yeah, it just it, it it kept my mind occupied. You know, like I can sit and do math in a damn classroom all day, but I get tired of it, bored. You yeah. know, versus sitting in, you know, you're in some desert somewhere in a tent, and you're you're learning about okay. This is what you got to do if you get exposed to shit, and this is how fast you have to respond to it. And you're starting to remember all these numbers, you know, and how if one of your buddies is exposed, what you got to do to help him, you know. Um, then you learn like geographical things as far as where you're at, mm-hmm. what type of uh, fucking rocks are there, and you know where you where you pretty much the way you even turn your foot, walk through it, things like that without like collapsing the whole side of a mountainside, you know, oh, and sliding yeah. down this thing, you know. Yeah. How do you recover from that, you know? And it's it was it was more interesting to go do that to me. And some people look at it like that's just flat out stupid. You know, that's flat out crazy. You know, <laughs> but it was fun. It was it, it's weird, but it was fun. Yeah, cuz they those those mountains out there are real rocky. Mm-hmm. And so when you're out there humping your pack out, it's just real easy to slip down a, a path or something, right? Oh, hell yeah. It's, it's, you know, everything's loose. Yeah. Know? So it's not like it's here, you know, everything's, everything is, uh, well, I would say here everything is more packed down because there's so much, you know, forest, I would say. You yeah. Know, there's so much, uh, you know, leaves that have fallen, pine needles and things like that have kind of packed down. So you might slip on that, you know, but in the desert, you know, in like Afghanistan, you know, is believe it or not, snows a lot in you the know, mountains. In the mountains, yeah. you know. So, pretty much all it's sitting there is you're just getting erosion from water that's running through there and everything else. And nobody walks through those mountains, so <laughs> it's like if they do, it's some Sherpa that's been going through there for the past thirty years that knows exactly every little rock and step he takes, running his sheep or whatever it yeah. is that he's doing. Yeah, or they have little little uh, village scouts, things like that. They'll oh. go and communicate with one another and things like that you know so when you some of those villages up there you know they they don't ever see people no you know there's just they're on their own little world up there yeah so it's crazy how they even survive but you know even even those people didn't know what the hell was going on in the world you know they don't know they don't know what's happening so uh when we got there they thought we were russian (laughs) really yeah they thought you know the russians are back fucking with us again yeah we're like we're not russian there's look it (laughs) and it was hard because for us we didn't wear a lot of something identifying you right you know so a lot of us we'd have to pull out like our driver's license like look it's fucking california man like we're not from (laughs) russia and they're like what what the fuck's california (laughs) you know uh, we're like movies are made. Well, what the hell's a movie? You know? Yeah. You know? yeah. You're like, ah, damn, how am I going to explain this to you? So, but yeah, they, it, it's, it's really, it's really crazy whenever you, you know, started getting through it and being at the time, like 19 years old, you know, you're sitting there thinking like, I came from this little town and what the hell am I doing here? You know? So, um, you know, I think a lot of people here in the U.S. and stuff, they, we take a lot of things for granted. Oh, a lot. You know, and, and up until that point, I'd never, you know, realized that in my life either, you know. So it was, uh, it was, it was crazy to see that. Yeah, there was, um, you see that in the, the only way you see that in third world countries that these, 
guys are actually fighting to stay alive is if you travel somewhere, right? Um, a lot of us, you know, being poor, I'm, I'm from the ghetto, so <laughs> I, I could never go travel to these places. Yep. The only reason I know this is because of being in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen these, like Indonesia, the way the Indonesians are out there just fucking hacking each other up or yeah. over just because they live right next to each other and they're fighting for food or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just crazy that they don't, they don't have TV. They don't have anything. They just no electricity, and they're just raising their little crops and they're raising the little farm animals for food, and that's it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 really crazy. Whenever you you know you think about it, you know, as what you've seen and what I've seen, and uh, when it comes down to it, you know, it's, I'm sure you were the same way I was whenever, you know, 9-11 happened. Yeah, we're going to kill them and we're going to get them all and fuck them. And, you know, they can kiss our ass and rot in hell type of shit. And that was my young mentality on it. Yeah. You yeah. know, because I didn't know any better. I just seen what I seen on TV. And I knew what happened here. But then when it got there, you see the people. And then you start to kind of take different, you know, opinion of it I guess you would have a different opinion of it because like when I was there I started realizing they're the same as us yeah you know as far as why they're there yeah you know my first outing and and things like that you get long briefs you know you're in briefings for a day or two before you're out sent out on town and and you know whatever mission that they send you on to do but uh they break down everything, you know, from, like I said, what the, the ground is, what kind of rocks you're going to deal with, uh, what kind of uh, hazards there are, snakes, scorpions, whatever. Even how you greet people, too, because, yeah. you know, we as Americans, we automatically stick our hand out to, mm. to greet somebody, and that's threatening to people out there. Yeah, and physical contact in a lot of countries and stuff yeah. is no, you don't, you don't do any of that. Even if you, certain things you say, you know. Like, you, we'll sit here and yell and call each other a motherfucker all day in certain countries. You're going to prison. You know, you just... If they don't kill you. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you just insulted that dude's mom. Yeah. You know, so, um, but what I learned whenever I was going out and doing these things is one of the things they'll break down is what language the people speak, because most of them speak several. Um, and then what's the education level? Mm. What's the food ratio per person? clean water, how many people there are literate, you know? So after a while, I started thinking, I can understand why these people are doing it. It's not so much that they hate us. They're getting recruited the same way you and I were recruited. Yeah. Oh, well, you come and do this with us. We're going to give you education. We're going to give you housing. We're going to feed you. Medical's taken care of. Not just you, you and your whole family. Yeah, so... On that side of the world, you can see why it's so appealing to some of these people. It's not so much that they hate America. It's, well, shit, I got mouths to feed, and I got, you know, people to worry about in my family, so this is my way out. I can't, I can't read and write. No. You know? I think when I was there, they said about 7% of people could read and write. Yeah. You know, and then maybe 15% of people had clean running water. Yeah. And that's out of the ground. That's not plumbed. No. You know? So... I mean, if you think about it that way, it was kind of like, well, what the hell? You know, they're 
they're just doing the same thing I'm doing. Just Trying a different flag. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And then uh, on the other hand, you had when we went to Iraq. So we basically just left Afghanistan on one rotation, went right to Iraq because that was when President Bush said in 24 hours or whatever, the war kicks off and all this. So we got sent out there and I remember seeing these big groups of people just walking towards the base and thinking, oh, shit, here we go. You know, it's, it's about to go down here. <laughs> and these guys were surrendering. Yeah. You know, and we're like, what the fuck's going on? And we had to turn them around because there was no war to surrender from. You got to come back in like 18 hours, man. And they were like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> they were like, nah, I'm going to stay right here. So we'd sit in there and they, so did they. And all right, there's the three, two, one moment. And then guys were popping up and they're, all right, here's all my shit. They're piling guns up and walking in. Like, well, why the fuck did you guys give up so easily? We didn't want to fight. No. We were told that if we didn't, they were going to kill our families. Yeah. So it was kind of like, man. <laughs> and then, you know, you had the CIA guys sitting behind us, and it's weird because they're looking at people. That guy knows something. I need to talk to him, bring him over here, and then you go, you know, bag and gag him and <laughs> take him away, and wherever they take him, I, I don't know what they did. But <laughs> then... A lot of their questionable yeah. tactics. But, you know, I don't know. I don't uh, like to degrade, but if you're going to get information from somebody that doesn't want to give you information, there's certain things that you have to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nobody's going to just give you the answers. No. You know. no. Um, um, I know that uh, getting them really tired... Mm-hmm. And really exhausted and, like, listening to Metallica or whatever it is oh, that yeah. they're listening to. Breaking yeah. their mental state down. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. There was the one time I was, I was run through. It was the FBI compound. And they had taken me into a, uh, they were just touring me around. And they took me into what they called the hot room. And it was basically a tent. But the ground, the floor was stainless steel. The toilet was stainless steel. You know, so you're, you're in this little room with no roof. Yeah. And they throw them in there naked. Yeah. All right, let us know when you want to talk. And, you know, around 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, it's already 100 degrees. And then that sun starts peeking over those mountains there. And then it, it starts warming up real fast. And yeah. there ain't nowhere to hide from that sun. They're, they're knocking on that door pretty quick. And then with the stainless steel floors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I never, I've, I've seen the girl, but i never seen her do her interrogation. But I, I was told she was, like, the top interrogator because she was, she was hot. <laughs> and uh, she'd go in there with, like, bikini and shit on and, you know, stuff like that, fucking with the guys. But I'd never seen her personally do it. I, I always got a kick out of hearing the stories of it. And I was, man, I want to see that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I got to see that one time, you know. How does that work? So Yeah, because uh, they can't look at women. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, and so when you have somebody that's uh, flying all their, their stuff like that, it's... Uh, it's a it's a different culture culture change for them. Oh yeah, especially a kind of a dominant woman. Yeah. Oh yeah. Women over there, they're not allowed to even talk. No. You know, so they gotta walk behind. They gotta fucking do everything. Yes, sir, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do everything they have been asked for. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I, there was one there was one uh, deal when we were in Afghanistan. There, there was a, uh, and it's it, it was real shitty. I mean, it was a shit thing to go through sometimes because we couldn't in, couldn't engage in certain things even though you wanted to yeah you know this guy just beating the hell out of his wife oh uh, yeah and uh we had a fahali was our he was our uh, translator 
And uh, I asked him what the hell's going on. Well, all his wife uh, made eye contact with another man. And that was all he needed, you know, and he was within his right in their, their area of the world just to beat the hell out of her. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't do nothing about it. No. You know, as bad as we wanted to, you know, but it was the way it was, you know, and it's like, good God. <laughs> you know? That's crazy. I hear some of the stories about, uh, like, them stoning women because some guy looked at her face or just just craziness. Mm -hmm. But even they, they, they held the guys to the certain standard like that, too, because what are they, castrated some man because he touched another woman or something? I forget what it was. There was a situation there where we were at. We'd seen these two guys in the, basically, like, town square or whatever the hell it was, you know. It's like a little marketplace there. And uh, uh, again, Fahali was translating for us, and we seen all this stuff going on. And basically, this, this guy had raped this girl, and uh, the local militia or whatever, you know, that, that ran that area, because there's, there's no police. No, there's no none of that. absolutely so not. They went and got this kid, and this kid was, you know, that had raped the girl. This kid's dad was kind of sitting there saying like well my son is is right in what he did and they, well you think that way so you can come too oh they took the dad too. they took the dad too so they had that that dad and the son up against a wall and they had every male in that girl's family standing there you know dad uncle brothers cousins and they all gave him guns and they told him you pass judgment either they walk out of here right now and it's over or you unloaded you know and they did they Dropped both of them standing right there. No shit. <clears throat> Handed the guns back, and they, they walked out, and that was that. You know, and then you're sitting there like, man, that's, how come we don't do that at home? <laughs> Nobody's going to be doing shit anymore. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> nothing like that. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was you know, no, we, we don't. It, it's different than what they portray the people, like, on TV. No. You know, like, the men over there, they love their daughters. You know, they take care of their daughters. You know, it's not like, oh, she's just a girl. She's a piece of shit. They actually, they're, they're loving families. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know where they got that rap that their daughters are nothing to them and all this other stuff, but. Um, Honor's a big thing for everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and and uh, like over there, I, there was there was locals that worked with us. You know, we talked to them quite a bit. There, I had people that I knew in town, you know, and I'd stop by and see them. You know, check on them, see how they're doing. They'd tell us, hey, the Taliban are moving this way, that way. They knew where they were at. Yeah. And they'd tell us. You know, they didn't want them there. You know, and there was a lot of times <clears throat> when the Taliban came through, there was a lot of villages that loved to see us because the, the Taliban would come through and rip the, the veils off the women. Ooh. And little girls, you know. So even as a little girl, after they're, you know, at that age, basically. Yeah. Um, they they cover up well once their face is exposed they take them in town and they'd rip them off you know so once that well that's like not being a virgin to them yeah. anymore you know so those women those little girls will never be married in their lives you know so they're like i said that the, the locals would see us and they would tell us like they're these motherfuckers are hiding over there all right and we'd pass that intel off to other people and they'd investigate it and stuff and Nine times out of ten, that's where they were at. That's where they were at. Yeah. They didn't want to be, you know, bothered by them. Yeah. What was the temperature like over there? Was it, I know it was pretty dusty and everything, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it depended on what time of year you were there. Um, about this time of the year, it's, 
it's getting warm. It's getting hot. Yeah. And depending on where you were at, you know, if you were up in like Kandahar, Bagram, um, Kabul, anything like that, you know, it's it's pretty warm. And then later on, you know, like in the summer, it's you're you're topping out, you know, about 130. Oof. You know, and you're you're walking through those mountains and shit too, you know. But then again, you're talking about like uh, Bagram, you know, it's like 8,000 feet elevation, so oh. it stays pretty cool. Um, it gets hot as hell, but then during, uh, I can't remember what month it is. It's somewhere in the middle of summer. They call it like the hundred days of wind. And that wind comes rushing through there like 60, 70 miles an hour all day, all night. Like sandblasting. Yeah. And the dust storms come in, they fucking set off alarms telling you to get inside and shit like that. But if you're out in town, you're kind of shit out of luck. You better have made good friends. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I was uh, sitting off the coast of uh, Kuwait, this was in 98, um, when uh, I would look at the town of Kuwait, I would look, I would see, I was like, wow, man, look at all that smog over there. But it wasn't smog. It was <laughs> fucking sandstorms. Sandstorm, like black out the sun. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of crazy out there. Kuwait was probably one of the hottest places. Yeah. I mean, I think the hottest that I ever felt was 156, and that was in Kuwait. Yeah. <laughs> it was hot. Yeah. And it's like, no wonder these people are so mean. Even, <laughs> even on the flight line, it'd be worse, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been on the flight line like that. But. Uh, we'd be out there just moving. Yeah, you know, moving, moving around. But you come off there and just heat radiating. It's, you know, you can't get away from it. Like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody wonders why I wear sunglasses all the time. Yeah. Like, can't, can't see shit. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's you know, that that's one of the biggest things about the United States. You know, people take a lot of stuff for granted that we have here that they don't know they're taking for granted yeah you know is running water you know like the simplest shit yeah (laughs) toilets toilets anything uh a damn air conditioner yeah you know people over there can't escape the heat no you know that's why they're wearing those damn dresses or whatever (laughs) the hell that they they wear all the time yeah because it uh collects their sweat and it cools them down Mm -hmm. right yeah any little breeze kind of going through and stuff like that it's kind of like anything, you know, the guys out here, when I was when I was growing up on the farm, you know, all the guys come out picking the fruit and stuff, and I'd see all the guys wearing sweaters. What the hell are you doing? Long sleeves and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. Oh, it keeps me cool, you know, because yeah. they're sweating and traps it, and any little breeze is cooling them right down. You yeah. Know? Yeah, pretty damn smart. <laughs> My stupid ass is out here in a short sleeve T-shirt, and I'm burning. Burning up. <laughs> hell yeah. Damn, sweat's turning into a magnifier, burning me up and everything else. I'd be sunburnt all damn year. Yeah. How long did you do the military for? I was there for a total of eight years. Eight years? Mm-hmm. Did you ever get out of special operations and do fuel cell? I did when uh, I was injured and well, injured multiple times, but the one that injured me, the last one, the last uh, little explosion there that took me out, um, pretty much ended my special ops. Special operations. I wasn't. They they call it uh, worldwide qualified. I was no longer worldwide qualified after that point. After yeah. after that happened. Um, that was the second explosion. Um, they, I, I couldn't carry the packs. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do the two, three weeks out in town. You know, basically I became, I became a liability. Yeah. 
you know. So it was more, I wouldn't say liability. If they would have qualified me to go out, I would have been putting more people in danger in case, you know, I come over a rock and turn my leg wrong or something and I go down. Now everybody's sitting there exposed because of me, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I understood it. I hated it, but I understood it. Uh, loved my job. And then uh, I was I, I, I was asked by the commander if I wanted to go into the schoolhouse and train. So I tried to do that. And uh, when I went to the schoolhouse, it was training people to do a job that I love to do. Yeah. And it was frustrating. Come on, let me get in there. <laughs> this was such a great episode that I had to split it up into two parts. You can catch part two on my website. Thank you very much.